This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the human toll from COVID-19 continues to rise. One of the latest fatalities in Florida is a 67-year-old doctor from Broward County, which has just issued orders for residents to stay at home. And two poll workers in Broward have tested positive for coronavirus. If you haven't paid your property taxes yet, you've got a little more time to render unto Caesar. Thanks to the coronavirus, the deadline has been extended until April 15th. Governor Ron DeSantis was on the phone with the White House again, and he has more to say about the president's wish that we get back to work by Easter. The governor thinks those remarks have been misinterpreted. But there is no misinterpreting what Stephen King thinks about DeSantis. The horror writer extraordinaire describes the governor as not the brightest bulb in the chandelier. Now that so many people are working from home, scammers have a whole new way to steal your information. Attorney General Ashley Moody has some tips to secure your system while you work remotely. There's still a lot of business left to be done from the legislative session, including a signature on that new budget. But Governor DeSantis says everything else is on the back burner because they're locked on coronavirus 24-7. Some good news for Tico customers. Rates will be going down this summer thanks to a drop in the price of natural gas. On the Sunrise interview, we talk with resident pollster and pundit Steve Vancor about the upcoming political campaign. They're basically on hold due to coronavirus. We'll also have your daily calendar of events and check in with Florida Man. One of them left a humongous tip. The other came up with a phony masturbation convention in Orlando. And now, the top stories on Sunrise for Friday, March 27th. A doctor who worked at Northwest Medical Center in Broward County has died after testing positive for COVID-19. 67-year-old Alex Shu is the first Florida doctor to die from the virus, the fourth confirmed fatality caused by the virus in Broward County. Officials in Broward are now urging all residents to stay home. They've issued a new shelter-in-place order. And two poll workers in Broward County have tested positive for the virus. Election Supervisor Pete Antonacci says they worked at precincts at the Martin Luther King Community Center and the David Park Community Center, both in the city of Hollywood. One of them is in very bad shape. The other is not showing symptoms. The U.S. now has 82,000 confirmed cases, surpassing China and Italy as the worst in the world. The president's statement that he would love to see Americans back at work by Easter may have stunned health care professionals, but Governor Ron DeSantis is defending Donald Trump by saying he believes those remarks have been misinterpreted. So I've heard it reported that Trump wants to ditch social distancing by Easter. And here's the thing. I don't think that's what he said. I think what he said is you don't want massive lockouts, but that does not mean you don't have social distancing. We are going to continue uh, to have society respond to be able to fight this virus. There is no chance we're just going to say the hell with it and not even worry about it. That is going to be a part of our daily lives until we have a solution to this. But I think what the president said, and I think what I believe is, you know, there's ways that we can do that as a society, um, you know, without thrusting people into protracted uh, economic misery and probably would end up in, in some public health challenges as well. But there's, there's no way we're just going to walk away from any social distancing. Uh, we're learning more and more about the virus, um, which is great, uh, but there's no treatment for it. Oh, maybe this, the thing they're talking about will work, but I mean, there's no antiviral and there's no vaccine. Um, so we'll see how, how things develop. We'll see how the virus is able to move through society, uh, how well it can. But, but we're going to continue to do some level of social distancing. But I think that there's ways you can do that um, and still have a society that is doing more than simply uh, you know, on lockdown. 
The governor's defense of Trump and his refusal to impose a statewide lockout has drawn the attention of America's most prolific horror writer. On Thursday, Stephen King, who is a frequent critic of Donald Trump, dropped the tweet that said... Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, not the brightest bulb in the chandelier, refuses to issue stay-at-home order for the state because some counties haven't reported COVID-19 cases. This may be because in some counties, five people or less have been tested. Among King's many works, a book called The Stand that features a super flu that wipes out most of the country and sets up a final confrontation between good and evil. As Florida deals with the effects of COVID-19, the Department of Revenue is giving you a couple of extra weeks to pay your property taxes. Revenue Director Jim Zingali has extended the deadline from March 31st to April 15th, and any payment submitted electronically or postmarked on that date will be considered timely. The coronavirus pandemic claims another victim. It has killed a cabinet meeting. Governor DeSantis and members of the state cabinet have called off the meeting scheduled for April 7th. A notice published in the Florida Administrative Registry says this decision was made in the interest of public health with consideration for staff, agency personnel, and the general public. DeSantis and the cabinet, Attorney General Ashley Moody, Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed, and Chief Financial Officer Jimmy Petronas last met on February 4th. The next meeting is now scheduled May 12th. Earlier this week on Sunrise, you heard warnings from Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed about all the fraud artists who are trying to take advantage of you during the pandemic. She's not the only cabinet member who has her own consumer fraud unit, though. Attorney General Ashley Moody has her own team, and she's advising you to be extra careful about computer security as you work from home during the crisis. My Consumer Protection Division is working hard, stopping scams related to the COVID-19 pandemic. You can help us on this mission especially if you are one of the millions of Floridians now working remotely. Florida businesses are going to great lengths to prevent the spread of COVID-19 by following the advice of health experts and allowing employees to work from home. While this is a vital step to mitigate this health crisis, it creates more opportunities for hackers and cyber criminals to steal sensitive data. I'm asking all Floridians to guard against cyber attacks and take steps to ensure sensitive information is protected. To secure sensitive customer information, trade secrets, or other information while working remotely, you should use a secure internet connection. Ensure all security software is updated in working order. Create strong passwords and utilize different passwords across multiple websites and applications. Limit the use of work devices only for work activities and lock work devices when not in use, never leaving them unattended. And remember, if we all follow the advice of health experts, we will get through this crisis together. Stay safe. The Attorney General's Fraud Hotline is 1-866-966-7226. The hotline at the Department of Agriculture is 1-800-HELP-FLA. By the way, the Department of Financial Services under CFO Jimmy Petronas has one too. That number is 1-877-693-5236. Maybe one day we'll figure out why all three cabinet members need their own consumer fraud unit. Remember the legislative session of 2020? It's been pretty much forgotten thanks to coronavirus, but there is still work to be done. All those bills lawmakers approved, including a $93 billion budget, are still waiting on action from the governor. But Ron DeSantis has been so preoccupied with the virus that he's asked legislative leaders to simply hold on to those bills for now. He's also delayed action on the selection of two new justices to the Florida Supreme Court. In fact, DeSantis says everything else is pretty much on hold in his office during the pandemic. My office has been 24-7 on COVID-19. I'm putting off the Supreme Court for a while. We're doing, um, the bills are going to be held. 
we are going to get to those in due time, but I think it would probably not be a good use of my time to be going through a lot of the legislation right now. If there's something in one of that stack of bills that would be effective immediately, that would help things, that would be different. But the stuff that's effective July 1st, I've asked them to just hold it. You know, let's continue doing this. I mean, you know, we didn't know the situation would be. And I mean, there were some people saying first week of March that, you know, the states, you know, 10 days from now, you know, don't, no one will have any hospital space. So you just, you know, this is a situation where people, you know, are projecting things, you're looking at things, nobody really knows. We're trying to do the best we can. So we're going to wait to see on that. And, um, uh, but I don't know substantively on the thing, the major things we did. If you look at the, um, the water quality bill, you know, really historic bill, very proud of that uh, to help the environment. If you look at the, uh, the the teacher compensation, you know, obviously we put a lot into that, and we'll see what happens with with the budget. But I think that's important. Uh, we did the occupational licensing, we did e-verify and workforce verification. That could actually be something that's even more important now, given that people are going to be needing jobs. Um, and then we did the occupational licensing reform. So it was a really home run session, probably even better than the last one. But you know, it's like as that session was coming to an end, this was the world, and so we've been just focused on this issue. Did you just say that the teacher raises were in jeopardy? No, no I didn't say it's in jeopardy, but I, I've said before that would not be where I would want to go. But you know, look, we—I think the, the budget is in flux. Let's just put it that way. So I'm not going to go do a signing uh, uh, ceremony tomorrow about any of this stuff until we kind of get our feet under us a little bit more. None of the bills that are on hold are scheduled to take effect before July 1st, so the governor has plenty of time to get back to legislative business. Customers of Tampa Electric Company, which serves almost 800,000 consumers in the Tampa Bay area, should see their electric bills get a little lighter in June. The utility has filed a petition at the Florida Public Service Commission requesting a reduction in the fuel adjustment charge because the cost of natural gas has been less than anticipated. Each year, the power companies estimate their fuel expenses, and those are passed on to consumers. But TECO's actual cost will end up being about $131 million under the estimate, so they have to give that money back. The utility is asking the Public Service Commission to consider the issue during the May 5th meeting, with the reductions beginning in June. Next up on the Sunrise Interview, resident pollster and pundit Steve Vancor talks about the effect of the virus on Florida's political campaigns. This is Sunrise from Florida Politics. We all know that guy who says he knew Trump was going to win long before election night. Had he known about Predict It, he could have put his money where his mouth was and made a little extra cash in the process. Predicted is like the stock market for politics. You can buy and sell shares in future events and elections, both foreign and domestic. During the 2018 midterms, Predicted beat other national pollsters like Nate Silver in election night predictions, and it wasn't even close. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Our listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Welcome back to Sunrise. Our guest on the interview today is Steve Vancour, a regular here on the show, our pundit, pollster, you name it. He's just the pee kind of guy here. And today we're talking about campaigns or the lack thereof, all thanks to coronavirus. It'll Welcome, be a really Steve. short show. That's exactly right. Yeah, we got 30 seconds here to tell the it's, whole story. That yeah, everything it. that's happening in campaigns. It's really, you know, when you first called, we talked about this. I was like, why? Who cares? I mean, nothing. Everything seems trivial or trite in light of what's going on. Uh, in our state, in our city, in our country, in our nation, in our world. 
But I guess the wheels of democracy need to keep going, right? Because the worst thing that could happen, hell, we held elections during World War II. So let's make sure we still hold our elections because that's probably vital to the long-term success. I think the Nazis are a little tougher than coronavirus. So, yeah, that's I think exactly. the World War II <laughs> metaphor is appropriate. There you go. Thanks. So so it's interesting, and it really is sure. Candidates, what you think about, what what is the role of a candidate to do two things? One is to talk to voters. The second is to raise money. Why do they raise money? So they can talk to voters. And both of those things have been completely shut down. Let's break them down. Talk to voters. Well, you can't go door to door. Uh, who's going to answer the door? If they do, they're going to spray you down with some bleach, right? Uh, that you, might you, be you're fun. Have, you know, people are trying some <laughs> virtual campaigning. I mean, voters don't really want to be communicated with when it comes to political communication, as it is, let alone get on Zoom or Skype with a candidate. So it's really, really difficult for candidates. They can't have small group meetings. They can't have rallies. They can't have any of the stuff that the public sees as the front face of a campaign. So that's gone to zero. The other part is raising money so that you can talk to voters. That's where candidates will spend most of their time misinformation people you know believe candidate you know, talking to voters no. most of the time is raising money yeah. okay and that's impossible too because you know non-traditional donors friends family neighbors etc are worried about their financial future we're seeing record unemployment we're, we're hearing the d word not just a recession but a d- depression so people are not going to be donating institutional donors who are the big donors in florida disney universal Darden restaurant. The restaurant industry isn't going to be giving money. The entertainment industry, which is so huge, the tourism industry, they're worried about their very survival. Cruise ship industry? They're Cruise not going to be giving industry, a penny. Yeah. Not, exactly. So you have, now maybe the healthcare industry might be more interested, but at the end of the day, their donors are, are taking a knee, they're holding back, and it's awkward to pick up the phone and ask. So the two very fundamentals of what it takes to be a candidate, to be a campaign, are really shutting down. I'm talking to friends across the state, and they're all saying the same thing. I, I, it was like, Everybody's stopping. Some candidates are saying we're not paying. We're on hold. Budgets are being dramatically uh, pushed downward. So what does that mean uh, if things stay this way? Hopefully, hopefully the president's right. We're back in church on Easter. To Don't think that's going to happen. But if things are, are done by late spring, early summer, the campaigns will get kicked back up. But it's going to be a little too late for the primaries, Rick. As you know, most legislative state races will be the, the, the race itself is the primary. Let's keep in mind, those ballots start going out shortly after July 4th, somewhere in the low teens, because vote by mail is 28 to 35 days before the August 18th. So you're going to see a very different kind of campaign in the primaries, which the state Senate, the state House is going to largely be composed of. So advantage to the incumbents, advantage to the front runner. Uh-huh. There's there's no way a, a newcomer could shake into this now. It's I mean, one of the things they can do is collect signatures to avoid well, the qualifying fee. Right. They can't, they, do, that they can't do that anymore. And remember back in the early 90s, you're, you're old enough, you remember, uh, getting signatures was for the outlier candidates, right? It was low cost to qualify, uh, high threshold for signatures. We reversed that. Now, almost every candidate qualifies by a petition. You could do it by mail, other other means, which you could still do the mail if you had the money. But money's right. hard to come by. So, uh, you know, you can't do petitions. You're not going to stand out at the farmer's market handling paper back and forth. People will think you're crazy. So that that's off the table. And you, we saw a federal qualifying by petition just passed, and a lot of candidates were complaining that 
They wanted an extension of the date. Nobody's got the power to change the law unilaterally on that. So that's going to go away, too. Now, have you heard anyone clamoring to postpone the elections or delay them? Because that would be scary well, we heard as hell. that we heard that in the primary, the presidential preference primary quite loudly. And the governor, I think I want to be careful, but I, I think smartly said, let's carry on. What happened in Ohio was the governor said, I'm, I'm going to postpone them. The judge said, well, you don't have the legal authority. I don't think Ron DeSantis had the legal authority to postpone the presidential preference primary. And as the judge in Ohio said, there's no evidence that says if you postpone it in a month, things are going to be better. So there's some noise about that. There's a lot of noise about shifting to a complete vote by mail system. Absent the legislature, that Nobody has the authority to do that either. Why would that be so complicated? Well, I mean, we the, already do vote by mail, a certain number of people. Right, and we saw almost 50% of the election uh, in the presidential preference primary was done by mail. But remember, the statute requires three things. Well, four things. Overseas vote by mail, regular vote by mail for people who request it, uh, early voting, and election day voting. That's required by law. 67 independent supervisors of elections that are ministers of that law. They don't have unilateral authority to say, we're not doing election day voting, we're not doing early voting, so they still have to conduct that. The other problem is there are physical machines that do the ballot counting. They're called by, made by Pitney Bowes. They cost about a million dollars a piece. That would probably, if that decision alone is probably a 60 to $80 million decision that somebody would have to make tomorrow because we're not the only ones in the country thinking of moving to more vote by mail. I'm sure Pitney Bowes would have to make more of those machines. Guess where they're made? Not China. <laughs> At least parts are made oh, in man. China, right? So, so, so you have that. You have to hire a bunch more workers. You have to order a lot more print. So there's a financial cost that goes with it, but you still have to conduct early voting and, and election day voting, and those costs are fixed. You still have to have the thousands of poll workers who are paid in anticipation of people going to show up. So it's, it's a good idea. But not for this election. It's 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 a logistical. I don't want to say impossibility, but it's a very difficult thing to do to shift wholesale, especially for July, to the vote by mail. And without legislative authority, just the governor can't wave a magic wand and make it happen. And I know this sounds kind of trivial, but what happens to all the people who work in campaigns? The you know the pollsters, the consultants. I mean, that that's a huge cottage industry in this state. Are the, are they all out of business now? No, I th but their their business is like everybody else is slowing down. And those so for example, I own a polling and focus group research business. Uh, we're gonna we have a couple of clients that are interested in doing focus groups. We're shifting to virtual, um, virtual focus groups, which work pretty good. Um, but it's hard to do. You can't do in-person focus groups right now. And polling, unless it's a healthcare related or it's about the, you know, how's the government handling it. I mean, if I'm going to call you up and ask you about a poll to a tax or an issue or a candidate, it, it's 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 not going to be polling in calm waters. A, B, you're going to have a hard time getting people to respond and be like in the moment related to that. Now, on the other hand, they're home, they got nothing going on, they're probably happy to take a phone call. But uh, it's going to be kind of an odd thing i'm recommending to our clients right now unless it's it's somewhat related to that take a take a knee because we tell our clients poll during calm water and this is certainly not calm water okay so your prediction for the election you, you think it's actually going to happen as oh i think we're going to have the election I, I trust if ron DeSantis resisted the temptation before i think he'll continue to resist the temptation and i think that's probably not a bad idea but uh you're going to see a shift to vote by mail 
if not a dramatic move, you've already been seeing that shift. So vote by mail will be a larger part of the primary. I don't even want to start predicting what's going to – the world might be – hopefully will be normal as normal can be come Labor Day. So uh, then campaigns will just get back into good gear. But the primaries, which are low turnout affairs anyway, you're going to see a, a, better than 50 percent of the ballots will be cast. Potentially 60 or 70 percent of the ballots will be cast by mail in the upcoming primaries. And incumbents will have a field day. Incumbents will have a clear advantage because they have superior name ID. They can send out constituent mail. They can reach out and talk about the response on coronavirus. They can be present. They can be available where it's hard for a candidate to play the Me Too role. Look what's going on with Joe Biden. He's trying to struggle to find a voice. And Donald Trump's on TV almost 24 hours a day. Our guest today on the Sunrise Interview, Steve Vancor. Thanks for joining us again, Steve. Appreciate it. Your calendar of events begins with U.S. District Judge Mark Walker holding a hearing by teleconference at 9. He'll be considering a request from the governor and the state Senate to dismiss a lawsuit filed by former Broward County Sheriff Scott Israel. That suit came after the Senate held a special session in October and removed him from office. The governor had suspended Israel because of alleged neglect of duty and incompetence related to two mass shootings in Broward County. Israel has argued in part that his constitutional due process rights were violated. The Florida Board of Acupuncture meets by conference call at 9. The Florida Department of Economic Opportunity will release the February unemployment figures at 10. Now, January's rate was a record low of 2.8%. The February rate could be just as low because those figures are the days before coronavirus shut things down. Now, the March unemployment figures, when those come out, it's going to be ugly. And the Florida Council on the Social Status of Black Men and Boys is scheduled to hold a conference call. That's at 1 o'clock this afternoon. And time now for the continuing adventures of Florida Man, who is sometimes a real wanker. A group called BaitCon, which bills itself as the largest public masturbation exhibition in the United States, has announced it is canceling their convention in Orlando. It had been scheduled to take place at the Orlando Marriott Hilton by Doubletree over the final four days of May. Their website says the group was expecting 3,000 people. They were charging 200 bucks to attend and $500 if you wanted to compete. But in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, the event has been canceled and organizers are urging people to simply stay home and masturbate. Of course, the whole thing is a massive joke, but someone went to a lot of trouble to set up that parody website, and I'm betting it was a Florida man. Finally, employees of the Skillet's restaurant in North Naples have some extra cash thanks to an anonymous diner who left a $10,000 tip. He's a regular customer and asked the manager to distribute it to the workers. Each of them got $500. That money must have come in handy because the very next day, the governor issued his order shutting down the restaurants. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again Monday as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.